Hey guys, it's Mina. Now that we're in the offseason, it's definitely draft time, and the first draft podcast with ESPN experts Mel Kuyper Jr., Todd McShay, and frequent friend of the show Field Yates will keep tabs on the latest intel leading up to the NFL draft. Check out First Draft wherever you get your pods twice a week, Mondays and Thursdays, and the Monday episodes are also available on ESPN's YouTube page. Welcome back to the Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast. One of the hosts thinks the Wonder Lick should have been replaced with just a lick. That's Lenny. I'm Mina Kimes. Uh, and uh, the Wonder Lick, actually, this is the first year that there won't be the Wonder Lick. The Wonder Lick is stupid. The Wonder Lick is dumb. I'm glad the Wonder Lick is gone. Uh, and I'm also glad to be joined by a, I think, maybe three-time guest, two or three-time guest, Arif Hassan of The Athletic. Welcome back to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me back. I think this is my third time. Yeah, this is your third time. Okay. Well, that is good to hear. I I like to keep track of who the I like to keep you guys in like a Hunger Games style competition for frequency. (laughs) Um, Yeah, with Michael Jr. and uh, Dominique kind of holding up the the front end. So um, this is ahead of the combine, which is why I referred to the Wonderlick and probably next week, I'll kind of talk a little bit about the combine. But the concept I came up with for today's show, um, well, it sort of comes from like you for The Athletic cover the Vikings, you podcast about the Vikings, you cover the the NFL nationally and the draft as well. But I was just thinking a lot about the Vikings and like the job in front of Kevin O'Connell, the new head coach this year. And something I don't like to do, Arif, is try to predict who will be a good head coach in the NFL. I've... Mm -hmm come to realize it's just very very difficult to predict yeah it's it's basically impossible it's basically impossible but what i do think is an interesting exercise and one that i want to do with you is to look at all the head coaching hires this year and there were a lot of them and to ask what does success look like like what is a successful season for this new head coach, what should the goal be? And and I thought this would be fun because we talk about teams that like, you know, I really talked about a lot during the season because, well, if you hired a new head coach, it means you were probably irrelevant by the end of the year. <laughs> um, it's a lot of eight and nine, nine and eight, just looking at these teams. A lot of the teams are the, you can pretty much sum it up as fix the quarterback or make the quarterback <laughs> or figure out what you have in the quarterback. And we'll get to that. But I, I figured we would start with Minnesota, because I actually think that's probably the trickiest of all of these teams. I don't know if you agree or disagree. Um, Minnesota went the disgusting eight and nine last year. The eight and nine just yeah. be looking at ugh. absolutely a boring uh, record. Nine yeah. eight, I, I, nine eight is my birthday, so I have to kind of ride for nine eight a little bit. But eight <laughs> nine is eight and nine yeah, is. I forget we both have September birthdays. That's right. We are Virgos. So I, I this is to me the most challenging team. There's some other. Uh, trickier ones but this is one where it's like if you're a vikings fan and you're looking at 2022 i it's very hard to evaluate what a successful season looks like because i don't know what you want to do about kurt cousins so i figure we should probably just start there and um i think the question of what does a successful season look like begins by me asking you what do you think they should do about kurt cousins because ultimately that factors into that 
Yeah, well, so what I think they should do and what it seems like they're going to do right now are two different things. I think they should find a way to offload him and trade him. If that involves an extension, then a trade, that'd be pretty interesting. You don't see that in the NFL too often, but it would make him more tradable. It would uh, allow the Vikings to take on that cap hit to make it easier for other teams. Um, but I, I don't know, like, are you going to trade him so you could draft a quarterback this year? That seems kind of rough. Not great. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's the, that's the kind of difficult part of it, but I still think that that's maybe the best mm. approach. And, uh, in that context, then a successful season is, uh, churning through the roster and finding as many quality players as you can to set up for, um, a 2023 run at the playoffs or something like that. Um, but so yeah, sort of like a soft is what you're characterizing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so um, I guess I should have, you know, I should have put the context here. Kirk Cousins is a cap hit of $45 million next year for those who don't know. Right. Yeah. Um, that's so yeah. something's got to happen. Like that's not that, you know, th- that can't happen. So it's not tenable. Yeah. yeah. It's not tenable. So either they trade him and I think you're right. There would have to be some sort of extension. The Vikings would probably have to eat some money. Uh, there no, you know, no teams trading for $45 million quarterback. Um, Kirk Cousins, rather. And um, (laughs) or Minnesota would have to do their own extension with him, which I think is where this is headed based on the coaching hire, reading the tea leaves. um, The fact that they went with, you know, Kevin O'Connell, who does come from that Rams tree, which is a Kirk Cousins friendly tree, the way he's talked about Kirk Cousins. And then I I would say the fact that, as you you alluded to, this is not a good quarterback draft. You're going to hear that about approximately three million times between now and the end of April. So, you know, and and, and also forget the quarterback draft. The the options out there are not great. Like there aren't, you know, good free agents. We're going to talk a lot about that when we get to the other teams. Right. (laughs) <laughs> you could bring Teddy back. I mean, well, let me ask you that, actually. Would you rather have Kirk Cousins uh, on an extension, you know, like another two-year extension or whatever it takes to get that cap hit down to, I don't know, $30 million or something? Or would you rather pay Teddy Bridgewater $20 million on a one-year deal? Um, yeah, I, I guess it depends on how much kind of dead you're eating with Kirk Cousins when you move on from him. Because Teddy on a $20 million deal after you trade away with your cousins is still $30 million right, tied up in the quarterback. So. But you got, let's say you got like a, I don't know. Well, I don't even know what the trade market for Kirk cousins will look like. God, like a couple second rounders. Yeah, it, it, it's uh, interesting. Right. Because everyone, everyone like wants to attach him to San Francisco and they've got uh, this new young thing that they're probably, they're probably committed to for a little bit. So um, yeah, I, I, I would imagine second round. I remember Alex Smith was traded for a second round pick and a player, something like a second and a fourth or something like that. Mm. Um, again, you'd have to reduce Cousins' cap hit to hit a second rounder, but I think that that's probably where you're at, and Vikings fans who do want to trade him think that they can get a first, and I totally understand that. Whoa. He's a good quarterback, but it is that's not the beginning and the end of, of how a trade market works. All right, so let's let's take the trade off the table and let's sure. live in the reality that we just discussed, the most likely, what we perceive to be the most likely outcome, which is that they extend him, bring down the cap hit a little bit. So then let's revisit the question. What does you, you have to credibly make a run at the playoffs? Um, and you probably jump me there, credibly. Okay, <laughs> and, you, and you think they can't? You so you okay, so so basically, you just said wild card team. Uh, well, you know, assuming whatever the Aaron Rodgers domino right. kind of affects that, but playoff team like you have to improve on nine, eight, and nine, so I guess 10 wins or whatever. Um, is that realistic for Kevin O'Connell in year one? Again, we're living in the Kirk Cousins is still a Minnesota Viking universe. Yeah, well, I think it's kind of interesting because I think there's a couple of new hire coaches where you could say, hey, it's a new hire, but 
I feel like a successful season for them is to is to contend for a playoff spot. And I think the Vikings are one of those teams um, because the whole point of the of the hire, like you mentioned, and what the owners have talked about, they said they think this roster can compete. Now, obviously, every owner is going to say something along those lines. But I think for the Wilfs, that's definitely true because that's why you got rid of Mike Zimmer. It's not because the team was bad. It's because it wasn't good enough. And so you hire a new guy. And yeah, maybe year one, it's uh, you, you'll, you're okay with it with them not making the playoffs. But the expectation, mm-hmm. a successful season, I think would be. And the biggest question here is not on the offense, which I would expect to improve, but rather on the defense, yeah. which has a number of missing pieces, but absolutely needs to improve. Something like 28th, 29th in points and expected points added and all of the advanced metrics hate them just as much as as kind of the more box score relevant statistics. So, um, Okay, so I have... A question for you about the defense, because I, I I think offensively it is realistic. Like I can imagine there, yeah. there, there'll be some schematic tweaks, which I think will be interesting with uh, Kevin O'Connell. Mm-hmm. One assumes it would be a little more pass forward, shall we say? Yes. Um, yeah. Maybe. I don't know what in terms of like the, the I don't think they'll use as much 11 personnel as the Rams do, but that'll also depend on. Okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah, but, but they, well, they, they will drafted. use a lot more than the Vikings. Yeah, and more I than the Vikings. Yeah. It's going to shift away from the, like, everything we do is built off of outside zone to, like, hey, this is an outside zone-centric offense, perhaps, but we have a more, um, you know, we're going to really take advantage of our two stud wide receivers. I see that vision. Yes. Here's my question about the defense. So they brought in Ed Donatel, who's a Fangio guy, um, to be the defensive coordinator. So I assume that means it's going to be a little bit more of a Fangio defense, maybe switching to a 3-4. I don't know. You can tell me that. Arif, who are the cornerbacks on the Minnesota Vikings? What an exciting question for you to ask. I can't wait to find out. Because <laughs> so just yeah. to go back to your premise, which is like, okay, we're leading this team. We they, The success for Kevin O'Connell is being a playoff team. I get that. But then I look at the secondary and I'm like, I, I have the Nick Young confused face right now. Like, I just don't, right. I don't know. So so the issue here is that the three cornerbacks that started the season for the Vikings, Patrick Peterson, Mackenzie Alexander, Bashad Breland, um, are all free agents. Uh, and so they're not under contract. The only cornerback that you can talk about as a potential starter is Cameron Dantzler, who at the beginning of the year had actually lost some favor with the Vikings and had to work his way back up mm-hmm. to being the fourth cornerback and then the third cornerback. And so I don't know that you can place a lot of trust in that, although I suspect that given that they need three cornerbacks uh, and it's hard to find three in one offseason, that Cameron Dancer will end up playing a big role for the Vikings. And, you know, maybe maybe it'll work out. I mean, he's got a lot of tools, but that's kind of where you're at, where you don't have players. Otherwise, you're relying on like Harrison Hand, who hasn't seen any snaps. Chris Boyd, who Vikings fans are not huge fans of. I don't know who that enough. is. That's yeah, exactly. I'm straight up like you're I'm like, yeah. who? He, he's he's the guy that Aaron Rodgers targeted when he entered the game. It's it's the Aaron Rodgers. Alert ah, OK, yeah, good. So that's Love that's that. the worry, right? <laughs> so uh, they, they need to add two, pro- probably three cornerbacks to the roster. Um, they could, in theory, bring back Patrick Peterson, who um, feels like he's open for a re-signing. But again, you're $15 million over the cap right now. Um, and so you need to do more than just a Kirk Cousins extension, because all that does is get you under the cap. It doesn't allow you to re-sign any of those guys. Yeah. Um, so that's the tough part, right, is I think that they'll sign or sign re-sign a veteran They'll probably draft a cornerback high, I would expect, first or second round, um, and then maybe sign another guy that's depth or slot or something along those lines. But that's kind of where you're at is is you have to be really good at bargain hunting. I don't know, man. I I, I think 
your scenario, the success that we're, it plays out with an improvement. Like if this jumps to a top 10 defense, I think, or probably yeah, but offense rather, um, and you get to an average defense, you know, yeah, then... the, the defense just doesn't have to drag them out of the playoffs, I think is the goal. Yeah. Um, if yeah. For, for year one, right? And then eventually they'll kind of figure it out and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But, you know, there are opportunities, right? Daniel Hunter, who um, I would expect to remain yes. with the team. There's no reason to say he's not, but he's got a $26 million cap hit. Um, and so if you extend him, I which I think you can do without him signing a thing, I think you just restructure his contract. Mm-hmm. But if you do extend him, um, you clear up additional cap space and that allows you enough room to sign your draft class and then yeah. you do a couple other things and you get free agent. Yeah, and I can yeah. see them going edge or corner in the draft too, just having kind mm-hmm. of begun the process of looking at some of the prospects, thinking about where they're picking. Um, I think there's opportunity. Great corner class, turn. great edge Yeah, class. exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, I we'll see. There you go. Uh, a lot more to be discussed with Kirk Cousins because I feel like, you know, whenever that ex- either extension or trade gets done, um, it'll be a lot easier to kind of Think about this team and their timeline and where they stand. Uh, a team that I think I think that it, this one's very easy. Frankly, it's the dreaded nine and eight. Uh, but that's the Miami Dolphins under new head coach, former college classmate of mine who I never met. So no one asked me, <laughs> Mike McDaniel. Um, yeah, let's get started on this one. If Mike McDaniel didn't wear glasses, do you feel like people would think he's like like stop characterizing him as a nerd? I feel like a lot of it is the glasses. So I've seen that that nerd characterization. I think it's the glasses, but uh, it's largely me, he's the glasses. more of a dork. I think he's more of a dork than right. Nerd. I think, yeah, I think he's he's like if he's talking too loud in a coffee shop, he starts annoying you. Have you have like, you ever seen that's, the, that's who he is to me? Have you ever seen the film Not Another Teen Movie? It's like a parody of yes. teen movies. Um, and, and Captain America in it, right? It does, and there's a parody of She's All That, where they're like picking a girl, yes. and they're like, yeah. you know, to, they just take off her glasses. Yeah, and he's like, they're like, <laughs> yeah. the challenge in the movie is that the hot jock needs to make over, pick one girl to make over, a la She's All That, and he picks a, a obviously very beautiful girl, or his friends do, and Maybe he's like, student nerd. She's impossible. What? She wears glasses. We couldn't possibly make her over. Anyways, that's how I feel about Mike McDaniel. Um, okay. So th- this, sorry, tangent. This one's easy. Um, uh, you just have to figure out if Tua Tungabailoa is a starting NFL quarterback and you have to fix this offense. I don't even care about the defense, honestly. Like, so th- there- there's continuity there. They kept Josh Boyer, um, who we've learned was called plays for the defense. And, you know, there- there's a little bit of turnover on that side of the ball. They got to figure out what to do with Emmanuel Ogba, Xavier Howard, my one extension, right. uh, you know, they got some young guys, blah, blah. I don't care. I don't care if the Dolphins okay. make the playoffs. I, to me, again, like what is a successful season? A successful season is where this offense looks competent. Or honestly, if we're being realistic, you have enough of a baseline to evaluate to a tongue of Iloa and then figure out if you want to move on next year. Yeah, that's that's the that's the wild thing about it, right? Is that um I, we just don't have enough film of Tua Tagovailoa doing NFL football things, despite him playing in the NFL for a couple of years yeah. at this point. Like, uh, I mean, and I, it is interesting kind of like how diverse the offense can be when it's entirely based off of the RPO. I did not know you could do that much. Mm. Uh, well, especially but, considering they have such a shitty running game. So it's like you're an RPO yeah. offense, but the R is one of the worst in football. <laughs> so right. you bring in a coach who is notorious for his run design and yeah I, I, like it was part of the reason why i like the hire so that I, you know i, I think you, 
the mission, the objective for Laney Boggs slash Mike McDaniel could not be clearer. Yeah, get get to a take of a low in NFL offense, make that NFL offense diverse enough that you can evaluate all the pieces on the roster fairly uh, and figure out kind of how to bring in talent, whether that is going to be the quarterback after you evaluate, you know, what take of is capable of doing um, in a more effective offense or, um, you know, bring in a quarterback that's going to be able to run that offense. But I think that you're right about, you know, figuring out ways to make this running game interesting. Obviously they, they will need offensive line improvements. Yes. Uh, you're very on the record about that, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, San Francisco. Arc I feel of like justice had the is most... long and it bends towards. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Sorry, Dolphin. Mina Khan. I didn't yeah. want it to be right. I didn't, um... <laughs> well, <laughs> didn't okay, know where that one was let, going. Let's talk about I the offensive it. line because I think there's two like in terms of like the okay. So we know we, we've outlined what a successful season for them is, but it's more than coaching. Obviously, they need from the talent side. I would say both at skill player. Potentially, although it's not terrible. Uh, oh, uh, it's not awful. That's not the first place I would look. But no. yeah, there you could use some upgrades there. So they got a, they got a ton of cap space, and also you know a oh well they traded that first that draft pick. So I'm looking at their draft picks. It's not actually yeah they've got uh, San Francisco's draft pick or something like yeah, that. Yeah. So they, anyway, so the problem is like look at this offensive line and you tell me like is there anyone here to build around like where do you even that this is like the challenge and i'll I'll probably so at some point i'm going to do a team needs uh podcast ahead of the draft obviously it's the offensive line for the dolphins it's very very simple but it's a little complicated because or if like it's they have to figure out who do we target in free agency versus the draft there's a lot of interesting free agent offensive linemen um what positions do we prioritize? Is there anyone in this group that, like, for example, Liam Eikenberg, you know, who they drafted last year, got some play. Do we think he can play in the NFL? You know, like, I I, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's oh. like a lot of a lot of questions. Yeah, uh, a lot of questions. So Robert Hunt can probably play. Legend. And then Liam, Liam Eikenberg... Um, is, I mean, he did not play well, but he was a rookie. So um, those are kind of the two areas where you're just going to be like, look, we'll just put this on hold for now and we'll figure out the rest of this this mess, I guess, is probably the best way to put it. Yeah. Um, get rid of Austin Jackson expeditiously, I think is the first move. God, Jesse and then the right tech. And then, yeah, yeah <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then build up from there. So yeah. Um, I mean, probably just because tackle is a little bit more important. Yeah, you probably want to get a right tackle opposite um, Eichenberg. But, man, I, if they took any offensive lineman, I'd be like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. I mean, maybe like multiple. Op- I mean, but right. your point about um, but about Eichenberg is interesting because it's like, yeah, he didn't look good last year, but it's such a you know, it's rookie, very difficult group. So maybe I could see them saying, we're going to see what we've got in him let's drop the bag for like Brandon Scherf. You know what I mean? Who's a free agent. Yeah. Who we know yeah. is good. Uh, and okay. And then we've also got uh, Robert Hunt, by the way, when I, for those who don't know, Robert Hunt is the legend because of the infamous uh, touchdown that wasn't. So just FYI. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Worth keeping Rip. in the building for that alone. Yeah. Forever. The, probably the best weapon they have on their team. But um, <laughs> I could see them going Brandon Scherf. And then maybe you, I don't know, throw your first draft pick at right tackle or something it, it's got to be like yeah. a cohe- cohesive strategy is what i'm saying and i think it's 
it, it it's gonna be if I was a Dolphins fan, I would feel nervous about it because it's the obvious need. And the guy who's done an objectively terrible job of building this offensive line is still your GM, Chris Greer. Build so the building. Yeah, that's yeah. a little bit concerning, even though, I, you know, I from a coaching perspective, I think they can improve on offense. Yeah, well, what's what's pretty good about having Mike McDaniels in the building is that I don't like for a lot of offensive line coaches or or running schemes or whatever, you're kind of pigeonholed into a type, right? You need to get a guy that can do this thing. But like you mentioned, they have a really diverse running game. I feel like San Francisco's had the most diverse running game in the NFL going all the way back to like Harbaugh. Like it's yeah. just always been. Um, and so you, you all you have to do is find a good offensive lineman, which is tough, but it's easier when your talent pool is larger, right? And you don't have to pigeonhole yourself until oh, I got to get a zone guy or I got to get, you know, uh, a gap scheme power guy. Like you just get a good one, right? And and I think, um, it, especially because you're replacing probably four out of these five guys eventually anyway, yeah. right? Like it kind of doesn't matter. So just, uh, just find good players. Um, and I think that that's a little bit of a better spot to be and honestly, you know, we talked about how the skill players could use uh, a little bit of an upgrade, but they're not so bad that if you no. generate a good enough pass protection unit in a run game, you'll you'll score some points, right? I and mean, Jalen Waddle had a great season. I don't think a lot of people talked about it, but it was really good. Yeah, um, and, and I think it could yeah, be better you can in work a better right offense. Um, right, exactly, yeah. Jasicki's a free agent, I believe, or Gisicki, pardon me. It's Gisicki, right? God, yeah, he's a free agent. Yeah. It's Gisicki. So that'll be a decision that they have to make. I guess they could tag him. God, is he tagged as a tight end? That that could be spicy. He would be tagged as a tight end. He would we, be, but he's we've not. We've seen tight ends lose not a t- Yeah, I know, but he's not <laughs> a tight end. Like, let's just be clear. No, he's not. There were like two games a couple years ago where he had like where he's really good at blocking, and I was like, oh my god, he's going to do it. But no, that never happened. His, well, if they tag him as a tight end, his agent will fight it. But anyways, that I could see them keeping him or trying to tag him or something. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's. Just give Tua a chance and then see what he does with it. That doesn't mean that's not the same thing as like buying into Tua. It's like, let's just see what you got. So yeah. that's an easy one. Next one is very hard. Denver. Nathaniel Hackett went seven and oh, ten I last mean, year. <laughs> okay. Th- th- this is what like this is like the Vikings. Like it, it, it all no, this is no 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 no. This is worse than the Vikings. Because the Vikings, at least you have two distinct like paths that are very clear. You're they're either gonna go one way or the other. They're either going to trade for you don't Cousins. Think, you don't think there's two paths here? Because I think it's trade for Aaron Rodgers or equivalent, right? You find, I don't know, if you're comfortable with the ethical quandary of trading for Deshaun Watson or uh, uh, if uh, Kyler Murray is actually not doing the thing, no, uh, then no, you can no. trade the for pa- him. The path where you don't trade for Rodgers is a total black hole. That's where we're going to talk. Where we're going to talk about. I'm okay. not going to. Okay. I'm not going to talk about okay. a world in which they trade for Aaron Rodgers because if they trade for Aaron Rodgers, you're done. Boom. Move on. That's success. Yeah. Right. Okay. Boom. I don't I, like, we'll see. I, I, I've lived with this drama long enough to reject it as a <laughs> topic of discussion. <laughs> I still remember. Sorry. I probably told this story on my podcast at the draft when the news broke and the, uh, the Broncos were picking eighth. I want to say is when they took Sertan their ninth this mm-hmm. year. And on set, everyone was like, oh, yeah, if you could trade for Aaron Rodgers, you got to do it. And I was like, no, you don't, because this ain't happening. I just, No, take a quarterback. Take Justin Fields. This is stupid, but whatever. I'm not going to – we're not going to do that again. We're not playing the Rodgers game. Okay. All right. If you don't get Aaron Rodgers, what does a successful season look like for Nathaniel Hackett in year one? 
Goodness. Uh, well, I don't think we're watching out to you, by the way. Though. We're not doing that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I guess. Uh, Let's be realistic. Well, if, so if they if they draft a quick, because again, we know that there's not quarterbacks in free agency, right? Um, if they draft a quarterback, uh, I mean, you just kind of punt on the season, right? Because I mean, it, which sucks because these receivers are really fun. I want them to succeed. They're really good. Um, you've got mostly the pieces that you want on the offensive line, right? Like I think you could probably get another guard, but, uh, and I think there's a, I think they're right tackles hitting free agency. So, you know, there's some, some holes to fill there, but mostly it's pretty good. You like the running game. Um, the defense is fine, right? Last year they were third in points, but I think the underlying numbers were, were not nearly as generous. So I'd say the defense is fine, right? Mm. Um, Okay, I, now I'm curious because I, uh, the, the, the Broncos' defense I found to be one of the most perplexing units. In I mean, it, not it perplexing is, it because is. they were injured and like Chubb was out and they had no linebackers and a lot of the corners either underperformed outside of Sertan, who was awesome, but whatever. But like, it was a Vic Fangio defense and they finished 20th in pass DVOA and 21st in rush DVOA. I think people would be shocked if I told them that the Broncos defense had worse efficiency numbers last year than the Broncos offense, but it's true. Right. And, and they were, they were 12th in EPA. No, I, I understand like third in points, 12th in EPA, 20th in DVOA. It's a very kind of interesting problem to attempt to solve. Um, I don't know that the linebacker issue is as important. Like when I've been studying these Fangio defenses, it yeah. really just seems like Kind of, I'm not going to say it doesn't matter, right? We all saw what Ernest Jones did, but the the investment that you need to make at linebacker in order to get you know really quality play out of it in right. this defense seems to be not that significant. I bet they say with uh, Kenny the Young too, because they so the new yeah, defensive Kenny coordinator Young. is Ajiro Evero, who was from the Rams, similar to, to Hackett, first time court. This is a very young coaching staff, right? Um, yes. So one assumes schematically they'll be it'll be pretty similar to what we saw. From Fangio because he comes from the Fangio Staley, you know, whatever tree and right. um yeah, and I and I so I agree yeah, with you I, about I, think I, I think you uh, I don't know if Caden Stearns is gonna get more play next year, but I think you've probably got we need it's it's really just cornerback and probably kind of filling out um your pass rush package a little bit, right? Because I mean I like Malik Reed, but I think you could do a, a little bit more. I mean they gotta so see, they gotta that, get more out of Riley Chubb. That's it's pretty simple to Yeah, me. they do. Yeah, right. Yeah, they do, but they've gotten they've gotten a lot out of him in the past. So, uh, I mean, it sucks that they were never really able to truly pair Bradley Chubb with Von Miller. But if they could do a version of that um, by grabbing a good edge rusher like that, that wouldn't shock me. But yeah, the, the real question here obviously is on offense and their quarterback. And if they draft a quarterback and then and then sign a bridge player, or they just assume Drew Locke is the bridge player or something, I don't know. Um, then you get to say that this year we're going to waste this really wonderful receiving unit. Again, again, uh, and, again, again. Uh, and uh, <sighs> well, I mean, you're, you're the one saying we can't talk about trading for Rogers. So now I'm talking about Desmond Ritter leading the offense. Well, OK, so let me let me put up. So, OK, just the reason I went eh, with the defense is like I think a successful year is this defense has to get back to being at least average. And there, so, there needs to be a better pass rush. You know, all that that, I, that, I that to me there. is I think can. Yeah. And I think so, too. Yeah. I think that's a very realistic like we're, we're trying to like gauge what is a successful outcome for Nathaniel Hackett offensively that's where it gets super murky because 
of the trade market and whatever. So let me ask you, let me give you three options and tell me what you would do if you're the Broncos. So you're picking at nine, which is kind of awkward too, again, because like, honestly, none of these quarterbacks should go at nine based on what I've watched. Um, Would you rather draft a quarterback at nine, Mm -hmm. trade for Jimmy Garoppolo, or sign Mm. Jameis Winston? Um, I mean, I like fun football, so I'm, I'm going to go the Jameis Winston route. I would do it too, dude. I would do it too. <laughs> I also, just, I don't, you can also trade really... down and get a developmental quarterback and see if you got right. something in him. You well, know? you you could get you could get Jameis Winston and trust that LASIK has done its job and that he can he can you know correctly identify when he needs to actually chuck it. But we know that that's all he's going to do anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I think that if you yeah if you if you trade for Jameis or you sign Jameis Winston. Um, you you could uh, you know trade down in the draft and get Malik Willis late uh, in the first or something sure. like that and say hey let's you've see. got the tools let's develop you whatever um, uh, hey great senior bowl performance Malik Willis so sure. there is that um, yeah but yeah I, I I think it's the Jameis Winston stuff because I think so here's the thing right like for me it's not just about like how good a quarterback is generally right like if you're the 10th best quarterback that's obviously better than it isn't but if i get to choose between um the 10th best quarterback who is consistently ranked 10 or the 10th best quarterback who's very volatile right and this is the matthew stafford kirk cousins problem um i well i just gave the answer away the one that won the super bowl i want the more volatile one especially if you're in a division with patrick mahomes and you know we'll talk about josh mcdaniels in a second but we'll assume that that offense is going to take off and then you've got justin herbert so you can't just be good enough because there is no good enough in this division if you want to make the playoffs you need to have some games where you're for no reason at all variance. quarterback on the field you need variance yes, you need high variance US. quarterback the only thing that i would say makes me a little dubious of james winston being the answer james winston who's the best free agent quarterback available in this market um is with hackett you know, one assumes it's going to be a variation of the Matt LaFleur offense, which is very quarterback friendly. Uh, you know, it's, yeah. he has run multiple offenses, but I think that that's a safest. Yeah, right. And so Jacksonville all of the hires is a little different. That, yeah. And yeah, I, I guess, yeah, right. The hires have come from Green Bay, which we, you know, we are all seeing as tea leaves straight for Aaron Rodgers. But if we <laughs> right. look at them as tea leaves for the offense, it's it's a little hard for me to imagine Jameis Winston in that offense. Can't leave. And like, it's a little bit easier for me to imagine them saying, yeah, sure, let's trade for Garoppolo or whatever. Um, right. although like if you're coming from Green Bay and the last time you saw Jimmy Garoppolo was, you know, anyways. Um, okay. So just to put a bow on it, a successful season is the defense looking good again, better pass rush. And then I would say feeling like you have some forward progress at the quarterback position, or at least a quarterback. You, you, you figure out the blueprint to go f- to move yeah. forward at quarterback. Yeah. Okay, so the Giants are pretty easy. So Brian Dable, 4-13 and last year, 31st in passing offense, 30th in rushing offense. Uh, did you know the Giants had the worst rushing defense uh, by DVOA in the league? I, that actually kind of shocked me when I saw it. Um, but I knew they tailed off for a variety of reasons, yeah. whatever. But um, this is fast, a fascinating group of coaching hires in New York. You can bring Mike Kafka, he's your offense, offensive coordinator from Kansas City. I assume Dable will call plays, although I don't think he said so. And then defensively, you got Wink Martindale, which is just 
Yeah. Fascinating. Can't believe he was even on the market. This is uh, really interesting coaching staff. Mike Groat, receivers coach, too. There's a there's some really good stuff here. So this is basically the exact same answer as Miami, right? Like, just you got to see what you got actually have in Daniel Jones. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, w- I was thinking, like, well, if, if we had a Daniel Jones and he didn't fumble, would we be interested in him? And to me, the answer was still no. Um, but I, it made me think a little bit about it, right? Especially because he has been fumbling less over the course of his career, right? But um, you, you, he still has to, like, figure stuff out, like, just in terms of seeing what he's seeing on the field. Um, and I, I can't imagine a better coaching group than this one to do that. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that you're right. Like, I think they're also – there's their turnover on offensive line is going to be kind of nuts, if I remember correctly. Um, so they, they are going to have to make some moves yeah. to, to restore that offensive line. Um, but honestly, figure out what you have in Daniel Jones. Beat the Cowboys once. I think you've got a good season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're coming off of – part of the reason, like, I thought this job had some appeal is you're coming off of 4-13. and 13. Um, So, like, you know, and I also think, like, it's – if. I don't know if Daniel Jones is not good. I don't think like people aren't going to blame Brian Dable for it. You know, it's, right, so it's like yeah. I kind of it's kind of like all upside for him. Um, but it is challenging, uh, you know, because of the offensive line. I mean, Andrew Thomas has proven to be a solid left tackle, so you've got something yeah, after a really rough start to the league. It's been a roller coaster, man, but but he's fine. Yeah. So you've got something to build yeah. on the interior of that offensive line. Unfortunately, there's like a lot of work to be done. Uh, and then the wide receiver group really like that they've invested so much in uh, is still like kind of confusing. Like I, obviously the Kennedy Galladay contract mm-hmm. doesn't age well. Kadarius Tony had a weird year where with flashes of sort of brilliance, which is, I guess, sort of predictable. Right. I feel like they're probably going to move on from Evan Ingram. We'll see. Um, mm-hmm. And then God knows what's going to happen with Saquon Barkley. I mean, I think a win for them would be right. a trade there if possible. But um, so it, I guess the objective is to say, okay, like, let's see what we have in Daniel Jones. Let's try to look competent and interesting on offense. And I, I have a lot of faith in Brian Dable's ability to scheme up a better offense for Daniel Jones than his predecessors. My only question is, like, do they have the pieces around him to do that? Because, you know, like, when we look back at Josh Allen's climb in Buffalo, so much of it can be attributed right. to Josh Allen's personal growth and development and work ethic and Brian Dable's scheme but a lot of it can also be attributed to the addition of talent. And I think that's where you go. When, yeah. when you transfer to New York, you start asking questions. Yeah. When you take a look at this receiving group, I think after Tony and Galladay, it's a bunch of receivers that I, I genuinely like, but I would not be comfortable saying is my third receiver on the roster. Right. It's just like, yeah. Hey, that's a good wide receiver four or wide receiver five. It's a bunch of those guys, right? John Ross, Darius Slayton, Colin Johnson, um, Austin Prohl. I actually do kind of like him. I saw him a little bit. So, um, you know, these are guys that if you have on the roster, you're not like, wow, that's a bad sign. But if they're your wide receiver three, you're like, mm, I don't know about this. So I don't think they've got a, a, a good top receiver, right? Um, again, the Kenny Galladay thing is a little bit odd. But yeah. um, you, you have you have the depth, but not kind of the, the top end talent to make that depth kind of worth anything for you. And so... Yeah, they, they probably have to invest. You know, maybe Kadarius Tony um, ends up being that guy. I, I kind of have a tough time envisioning him being your primary receiver in an offense, but, you know, maybe he could be. Um, but if they if they grab a receiver, and I do think that they're going to have to make some investments along the offensive line just because of, I think, free agency attrition, but also because it wasn't good. Um, 
But so that might be your first investments along the offensive line, either in the draft or free agency. But mm. eventually you're going to have to target a guy that you think can can help be your lead receiver. Yeah. The Galladay thing is, man, he was so bad. Yeah. Tony, I I, I feel like Dable's going to find really good ways to use him. Not exactly like Cole Beasley per se, but um, just giving Jones some easier completions on crossers, the middle of the field stuff, yeah. which, you know, Jones, will he'll hit it. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I can see that working out for them. And I think he'll be a beneficiary of the coaching change. Um, another guy who I think will be a beneficiary of the coaching change, and I think you know, when we again kind of pose the question of what does success look like, is their first round pick last year, Aziz Ojolari. Um, I'm really excited to see what he looks like in Wink Martindale's defense. I think he flashed a lot of promise his rookie year, you know, and um, like the the building blocks, you know, they've got Lawrence and, and Williams, of course. But like success to me for New York defensively is like, oh, we've got the guy as an edge rusher. We've got a guy who's going to be a consistent double-digit sacks guy year after year. And I think that's totally a realistic outcome uh, with the coaching hire. Yeah, you take a look at kind of the guys that you know are going to be here next year on defense. And I think it's, you you think about it in a Martindale defense and you're like, wow, this roster was like pre-built for Martindale to come in. Totally. In a lot of ways. Yes. Like, Ojolari definitely seems like a Martindale guy. Leonard Williams, I mean, that's no question, is like a Martindale guy. Dexter Lawrence. Like, it, it very much seems like you can find how these pieces fit together. Xavier McKinney, you can see how that mm-hmm. fits in, right? Um, and so, uh, which is like great, right? Um, I don't know how Blake Martinez became so good last year um, when, when he arrived in from Green Bay. Yeah. But if he maintains that, Right. Or if he if he continues to improve or, or, or something, then I think you can kind of begin to see what this defense could look like, what what the vision of that defense mm. is. That'll be an interesting uh, decision for them because they can save almost nine million dollars if they they'll be a little bit dead some dead money though, if they cut yeah. him. He's making a fair amount of money. But I see what you mean. Yeah, that was that was yeah. a weird I didn't love the signing and then he played really well. I know. I was, yeah, all right, I'll shut up. But yeah, it was, yeah. It, was, it was interesting. All right. But uh, yeah. you know, you, you've got pieces. You've got pieces. I agree. And you got good coaches. You have, to, you have to fill out the rest of it, but you've got, yeah. I mean, I know we said at the top of the show, there's no way of predicting who will be good head coaches. And I stand by that. But as far as like offensive and defensive play callers, Giants did really well based on, you know, yeah. history. <laughs> All right. Coming back. Let's take a quick break. And then let's talk about another team with some painful recent history. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. 
Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. What team do you think I'm going to talk about? <laughs> uh, uh, the Raiders? I don't know. Uh, no, the Raiders just made it to the playoffs. The Raiders are tricky. We'll get to the Raiders. Um, no, I, I, <laughs> I got Chicago. So this is yet another okay. very obvious one, right? Um, Matt Eberflus is coming in. It's kind of, it's ob- the objective is obvious. Head coach is obviously right. not an offensive coach. Chicago went 6-11 and 11 last year. Uh, the Justin Fields experience was a bit of a roller coaster. A lot of questions about the best way to use him. I thought he showed a lot of improvement by the end of the season, but this is an offense mm. that is devoid of talent on the line, at receiver, at tight. It is a problem. Um, and that is an especially big problem because I think you will agree with me, the objective, the only objective, forget the playoffs, forget the defense. Mm-hmm. You got to make Justin Fields work. Yeah, just just figure out Justin Fields, make him better, make him evaluable too. Um, and uh, and I, that's the goal, right? And so build an offense around you know making that work. That's a really tough task. That's, I mean, it sounds like a two-year task, not a one-year yeah. task, right? Um, especially like... I don't know kind of what the deal with Tevin Jenkins is right now. Um, like that's kind of another one where it's just like, yeah, figure that out too and see if you can, you can make sure that that's, you know, on the right track, but yeah, you need to, you need to get in probably two, if not three more offensive linemen along with Jenkins. Yeah. Um, you need to convince receivers that they want to be in Chicago um, because right now it's Darnell Mooney and that's it. Right. Cause Jakeem Grant's a free agent. I want to say. Um, and there's no way Allen Robinson's coming back. No so. way. Daz Newsome. Yeah. <laughs> da- Daz Newsome. Rams preseason that, legend. That Simba like Walker in, yeah. is on the roster. By the way, Austin Pearl also right. Rams preseason legend. Uh, yeah. It, it, so I think like from the perspective, we could talk about, so the new offensive coordinator, and that's, it's very important in this case because Eberflus is a different defensive coach, is Luke Getze coming from the Packers. So we assume similarly mm-hmm. to, um, you know, Denver, that there's going to be some similarities there in terms of the offense. Uh, I think, you know, objective, getting Justin Fields to kind of um, obviously get the ball out quicker, take fewer sacks, all that, very clear. But from a personnel standpoint, I think the decision to be made is like, okay, where do, which one, how do we make clear cap space, and all, which they can do a little bit. But in the draft and in free agency, what is the balance? Who do we target selectively? on the offensive line and at wide receiver, the two extraordinarily glaring needs on this roster to make conditions better for Justin Fields. Um, I don't know. I, I, I mean, it really, yeah. it's very similar to the conversation we had about the Dolphins and the Giants, right? Like there are, it's a great group of free, weirdly good group of free agents. Like I look at a guy like Ryan Jensen from Tampa center. I wonder yeah. maybe that summer. I mean, center was an, a living nightmare for Chicago last year. Um, I assume they're going to stick with Jenkins. You know, you talked about him. Yeah, obviously, he didn't play that much last season. Maybe you look at that second group of guards. There's a lot of kind of like mid guards who are at least NFL players. I think you probably yeah. want to get at least one premier offensive lineman, though. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you want like your gem of free agency to probably be an offensive lineman if you're Chicago, for sure. I mean, their guards are actually okay. I, I should I should. Uh, they've got white hair and I, James Daniels is free agent, right? So he's a free agent. They might try so, to bring him uh, back. Yeah. 
It would, it would make sense to bring him back. Yeah, for sure. And then, so so maybe like a center and maybe you draft a tackle. It's a good tackle class. Um, yeah, and then wide, wide receiver. I mean, I, I I also think it's a good wide receiver class. So it's an, that's another one where I think they could go like a second. It's both a wide receiver class that's good and also a good group of wide receivers in free agency. So I think you could also kind of hit that yeah. and get some bargains there. But yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay. Let me ask you just straight up. What is a successful season for Josh McDaniels and the Las Vegas Raiders? Gosh, man, I don't know. This one's tricky. Uh, that, that that one is very tricky. Uh, did, Derek Carr did sign that extension, right? Like that was... Uh, I don't think it's... <laughs> I don't think it's actually... It was reported, but I don't think it's actually... Okay. I'm Googling now because I've been on vacation. Out. I think it was just reported, but it, yeah, no, nothing's happened yet. Interesting. Very interesting. They're going to do All right. it, right? They're gonna do it. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I would have to imagine. But like, God, what a what an awful division to to have a, a pretty okay quarterback. I know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I think for McDaniel's, um, I think a successful season is is probably just challenging for that wild card spot, right? Like, obviously, anything to. above that is definitely successful. But yeah, I mean the you the, did it last year you you. You bring in an offensive coach that is fairly well known for designing good offenses. You've got a quarterback that you believe in. You've got some weapons that you really like, right? Um, that that to me just screams like we think that we can compete. And it's like I I don't want to be the one to break the news. So yeah, let's evaluate you on those terms mm. and and say yeah and say I mean because everything they're signaling right from attempting to I guess uh, extend Derek Carr. Uh, to bringing in a guy that is meant to to make that quarterback look good um, is is to say that, you know, they think that they can compete. And the Raiders have been better in division than they have been out of division. So it very much doesn't feel like they're as weird bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's very weird. It is weird. So it may not feel like they're as behind the division as they probably are. So, mm. um, yeah, bring in, uh, you know, a, a high level wide receiver of some sort figure out the right side of your offensive yeah. line. <laughs> and I think, and I think that you've, you've probably got some pieces to, to work with, you know, is that the, the, the shopping list on offense is a little bit smaller here than it is in some of the other teams we've just discussed. I agree. Um, like they're, they have legitimate superstars, right. On this offense. I, yeah. I Darren Waller, right. Yeah. I mean, come on, Hunter Renfro. But, so basically barring, you know, the Rogers Wilson, whatever scenarios, you're not going to get a better quarterback than Derek Carr in Las Vegas. Like, I just... Right, yeah. You're just yeah. not. I just so, know. I also think that he's an excellent... So can you say not again? Not. Not. It's, it's You know, there's a few words that I say that people say sounds Canadian about... I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> it's like a Canadian-Midwestern combo. Um, I'm from the upper Midwest, I know, and it still I, sounds bizarre to me. I, I don't know what to tell you. know what? It's, um... <laughs> I'm not bothered by the by your insults, but um, I'm also I'm also bothered not either. bothered by the idea <laughs> of of come warriors of Derek Carr. I, I I think it's just a really good. I liked this coaching hire because I thought as a play caller again. I don't know about Josh McGannell, the head coach. Right. We'll see how that mm -hmm. goes. But as a play caller, the combination of him with Carr and his skill set, and then the skill players they have, it made too much sense. Right, like it. You can almost imagine, like, I think the Raiders are playing the Patriots next year. Bill Belichick is going to be watching Hunter Renfro just with the Arthur fist. Oh. 
I mean, who literally was <laughs> built in a lab to play in the Patriots offense with all the option routes and such. Um, I imagine I'll be curious to see what he does with the run game, especially with a relatively inferior offense, well, definitely inferior offensive line. We'll see what kind of improvements they make on the right side. Um, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see if they like crank up the play action a little bit, if there's a little bit more trickeration and, and whatever, and how they yeah. use Waller generally, they obviously do need another wide receiver after, um, you know, Henry Ruggs went to prison. So which will never not be crazy sentence to say out loud yes. talking about football. So yeah, but uh, to go back to the goal, the goal is to get back to the playoffs. I can see this being a playoff offense. I really can. Um, I think the defense sort of outkicked their coverage a little bit last year. Uh, mm -hmm. But I'm also, maybe, I don't know, why, am I talking myself into the Raiders? I'm also a little bit optimistic about them because, one, they hired Patrick Graham, who I think is a very good, I thought that right? was a coup. That's a good hire. To get him as a defensive coordinator. Um, and for the first time in a long time, like, it feels like there's a young core, or at least a core in Las Vegas with, um, you know, obviously up front with Ngakwe and... Um, Max Crosby, yeah, and then you've got a Divine Diablo, the wonderfully named Divine Diablo. Uh, Nate Hobbs showed some stuff at at slot. Uh, Trevon Merrig, Abrams. I imagine they're not going to pay Abrams. There's a few free agents they got to bring back, like um, the defensive tackles, Jefferson. Um, what's the name of the other guys? Hankins. Yeah. Uh, no, there's the other defensive tackles. Solomon Thomas. Really good. No, there was like the guy who's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm trying to figure out who you're Darius talking Darius Milan. Uh, oh, okay. Casey Hayward okay. is unfortunately a free agent, so cornerback is an issue for them. But I think this can be an average defense, again, just because of some of those pieces and the coaching. Yeah, that, that, that pass rush, I think, is going to make or break that yeah. defense. Yeah, and yeah. Um, so if you, if you can maintain that high level of pass rush, you've got um, a lot of opportunities to to make the rest of that defense kind of chug along and let that offense kind of shine. Right. Because yeah, Derek Carr, I think is like an interesting example, just of a quarterback of he played the same way in college as he did like the first three years uh, of his NFL career. And he thought this was who he was. And then he finally unleashed the cannon that he has mm. and he could throw deep and you can get some really good offensive play out of him. And so you just need that defense to, to He's gonna be good. step up is not even necessarily the right word just to keep pace. They don't need to be great. To be a wild, so if the goal here is to get back as a wild card team, I believe this can be a top ten offense and like a top fifteen defense. I do, I really do. Um, so it's realistic. Um, okay, so I have a, I've got kind of a wild one for the next team. New Orleans, mm -hmm. Dennis Allen. God, jeez, this is another very confusing. Very confusing. We just like packed the middle of this discussion. Nine and eight. Another nine and eight. Uh, Pete Carmichael stays. Chris Richard bumps. So it's, it's basically they're running it back. It's all the same people. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> Which like, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, 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 no. Hear me out. Hear, hear me out. The question. What does okay. success look like? I think. I don't know. I'm going to tell you what I think, Arif. Okay. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? I think this is a team that should draft a young quarterback. And. Okay. Success looks like, mm, I don't know, like what, like a. Uh, a decent, like maybe he's like the 20th to 25th best quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. Um, that sounds great. I expect the defense to continue to be as good. I kind of like Ritter in this <laughs> offense. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah, actually, yeah. Am I talking you into it? Am I talking? Do you see my vision? So, okay. <laughs> let, let's just kind of take a step back. So the defense, obviously All right. elite, uh, some issues 
with cap um they can make a ton of space with some as insane, always, as always. Right. um that doesn't mean that that gives them free reign to move but i do think it's plausible for them to do like a marcus williams extension they probably have to let teron armstead walk or something like that um oh. i know oh, i know quan alexander maybe but the the cool thing about the saints is like you have young rising talent like i thought paulson adebo really emerged for them so like this is a defense that i expect to continue there's yes, so much content there's continuity there right so maybe right. they're not a, a top four defense again but i i figure i figure they're still gonna be good offensively yeah uh, they cannot be worse. oh you had more okay no yeah yeah so we're talking post Jameis, the Ian Book, Taysom Hill, everything at one point, Simeon right. era. Can't be worse. Can't be worse. They, wait, they still have Blake Bortles under contract. Me, what are you talking give about? Give me Desmond Ritter. Bring back Michael Thomas. I don't think they're going to trade him. And yeah. they'll be better. And, and who else? Who, who, who's he going to Maybe draft another wide receiver. I don't know. They're not going to sign anyone. But draft two. Uh, well, <laughs> I mean, is, look, I mean, I, 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 I don't think you should underestimate the impact that having Michael Thomas will have on the other skill players. On the rest of that group. Yeah, exactly. I, I understand that, right? But the the guy that was kind of most interesting out of the rest of that group is a free agent, Traquan Smith, right? And so it's just like, How dare you insult you- Marquez Callaway on this podcast who lifted me to a victory <laughs> in the ESPN War Room Fantasy League? How dare you? <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm a habitual line stepper. I can't. Disgusting. <laughs> Hey, and they have Kenny Stills. We all love Kenny Stills. Um, you draft a guy. Just draft a guy. All right. They might need to draft a tackle too, though. Well, yeah. If if they follow your plan of of not not going after Tron Armstead and drafting a rookie to kind of deal with that reality, sure. I just think this is like as I look at the teams I, where they're I picking, the they should take yeah. a quarterback. Right. I don't because like this whole conversation, we've been talking about all the various quarterbacks available and trades and free agents or whatever. First of all, I, I don't think they're going to be able to afford to bring back James Winston. Like, yeah, oh, James Winston on, on a one million dollar deal would be delightful, but it's not going to happen. I think they should draft a quarterback. Yeah, I, I when you said the name Desmond Ritter, I replaced the bad rookie quarterback class with just him. And that that works. I He's a fit. I dislike where you're taking me with this. I, I know you went, you went, Ooh, kind of when I said that. Yeah. So for, um, you know, we're going to get into the prospects obviously as I get closer to the draft, but for guys who haven't, or, and gals, for all of you who haven't watched Desmond Ritter, um, very, yeah, I mean, don't you know, women watch astute, football too. Uh, Come on. I have a little, very large female listener base and I, I love you all very much. Um, the, he's very, uh, pocket passer, very smart, uh, I would say intermittent accuracy issues, very athletic. Mm-hmm. It's very easy for me to imagine him in a Pete Carmichael offense, throwing to Michael yeah. Thomas. I, I also think he's better than Taysom Hill and Trevor Simeon. Yeah, but low bar. <laughs> of course. Like, like if you if you were like Malik Willis, who is absolutely not ready to play now, right? Yeah. Just, you need to sit him a year, maybe two. I don't want him in but this if offense. If you said Malik Willis is better than Taysom Hill... I would probably end up disagreeing at the end of a very long contemplation session about whether or not he might be. Case. He probably, he probably right. will that's, be. That's, that's, he might, like, but I just think like right yeah, now your, your defense is so good. Well, and, that- okay, and, and here's, here's the other, here's the other bit of context about the saints. This division is like wide open. So that is wide, what I'm saying. Like take the pro ready quarterback. Desmond Ritter is the most pro ready. I would say he has the highest floor in my mind of any of the quarterbacks. I don't think he right. has the highest ceiling by any means. 
But like New it. Orleans has never been about, you know, the ceiling at quarterback, right? So let me ask you this. I, mean, I guess they keep up on New getting guys that are. But, would you rather yeah. draft Des- Desmond Ritter at wherever they're picking late in the draft or pay Teddy Bridgewater $10 million? They love Teddy. They love him. They love Teddy. Love Teddy. Um, what would you do? If if I'm New Orleans, I hate, I hate, I hate going against Teddy. But if I'm New Orleans, I'm getting Desmond Ritter. Ah, that hurt. Do both. Yeah, do both. They could do both. They've got no cap room. They can't. I don't know. They don't have any cap room. Well, yeah, that's why I picked Desmond Ritter. I'm like, you know, just don't pay quarterback. Yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, All right. Let's move on to a very easy one, Jacksonville. This is maybe the easiest one of every team. Three and 14. Yeah, don't be embarrassing. Success. Doug Peterson comes in. Team that was 30th in passing offense and 31st in passing defense. He brings with him Press Taylor, I think, but Peterson said he's going to call plays. Um, and then Mike Caldwell, interesting hire as a defensive coordinator. Um, so, uh, what's, your, what's your take on Trevor Lawrence? Uh, impossible to know right now after season <laughs> one is my take. It's such a cowardly take. Flashes wow. of brilliance. A lot have of you, have you had Nate Tice on the pod? Bring bad, him on; he'll tell you everything you need to know. Him. I know a lot of bad decisions, dude. A lot of bad decisions. Yes. I'm not like an open stand right now, and I loved him, but and I'm not. I'm I am not the person who's like it's everybody else's fault. He was in a horrible situation. Although that's true, it was a horrible situation. It the was offense true. was disgusting. Yeah. The receivers are terrible. The offensive line was bad. But he did some really really dumb stuff. But then I would say like once a game he would do like something that would make your jaw unhinge from your face and finished with his best game, which I always love. <laughs> so <laughs> the clear objective you're, is you're, you're an analytics person. You know that that doesn't matter. The cl- momentum. He has momentum. Let's build on that momentum <laughs> okay, and okay. let's make Trevor Lawrence look competent. I loved the hire. Um, you know, it's worth it. I feel like with- honestly, I love to hire as a, just, a play caller. Not as a, I'm not. I I don't want to contradict myself in a single podcast. I love the hire because Doug Peterson has a track record of developing quarterbacks. Whether not, and it's not just Carson Wentz. You can go back to what he did with Alex Smith in Kansas City. You can go back to Michael Vick these great years in Philadelphia. This dude has a track record of working with quarterbacks and making them better. I mean, to the Michael Vick point, you know they they did pick Kevin Cobb over Michael Vick, right? Like that's. I'm just saying, sometimes it's not always there. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the plasma bed. Yeah, um, yeah so I, I honestly, yeah, obviously you want Trevor Lawrence to look like a first overall pick and, and to, for him to look like he belongs in the NFL. And that is the primary goal. But honestly, just steer the ship and don't crash it. That's my Confidence. only, it's, yeah. And, and, we could look over this roster and say, Hey, they've got these pieces on defense, but they really need to rework the defense. Hey, they've got these pieces on offense, but they really need to rework the offense. Yeah, that's all true. But, uh, and I think once again, they've got oodles of cap room. So if they really wanted to do that, they could, but yeah, just don't fall flat on your face. And I think everyone will be happy. That is fair, but we have to be more but. specific. And so okay. when we look at this team and we look at their picks and we, first of all, I think they should trade down by the way. So they've got the first overall pick. Um, there's so many needs on this roster. I'm not, I actually, because of the nature of this draft, I'm not sure what you can get for trading down. So that actually has to factor into it as well. Right. It's not like, um, 
you know, a, a, the Trevor Lawrence yeah, draft and, where a team would trade. Like yeah. the, the, the best player in the draft, whoever that is, there are just Hamilton. multiple other players. My, that's the take I'm... <laughs> okay. My, the best player that a team is likely to draft at number one overall mm. um, is, is, is either an offensive tackle right. or an edge rusher. And there's actually a lot of really talented ones that could make the claim to be that player. Yeah, right. right. Whether it's uh, the North Carolina State tackle or... Um, Evan Neal yeah. or Kayvon Thibodeau or Aiden Hutchinson or whatever, right? Yeah. There's multiple players at that. And so I think I think both it tells Jacksonville they should trade down and tells teams they should not trade up. So that that is the really tough part of this. So he needs But if they can trade down. Yeah. Yes. Well it's it's a it's a multi-pronged strategy because they have all the cap space. We talked a little bit about some of the free agent wide receivers. Like I would love to give Trevor Lawrence Chris Godwin. You know what I mean? Like, just give him some or yeah, bring back. Out. Treadwell has had multiple, I think, at least six 50 yard games. Oh my God, I, on Treadwell. He was on the Jaguar. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so I, I would say, like, you know, figure. OK, so cl- clear needs in terms of objective a of making Trevor Lawrence look good. Improve the offensive line, improve at uh, mm-hmm. wide receiver. Uh, mm-hmm. Dan Arnold's actually kind of good. Part of that, one of the weirdest trades, the CD weird CJ Anderson trade. So, uh, you know, I think it's, you're going to have to look at like holistically the draft and free agency where you're picking, what kind of value you can get from trading down. But you want to go into the season with a number one wide receiver and a left tackle. I, they're not going to keep Cam Robinson, right? No way. So I, I, I don't think so. But then I saw a bunch of Jaguars Twitter say, hey, this might actually happen. So I don't know, man. But I, I hear they super like Walker Little. So it just might not matter. So that's what I was going to say. So they might actually, yeah, if they roll with, it's kind of like the Eichenberg thing. Like if they're like, you know what, let's develop Walker Little. Maybe then they trade down and they get, I don't know, you know, um, the center who's Linderbaum and or one of the guards or they sign Brandon Sturp, uh, whatever. All the the Point is, you got to just get better at pass pro, and you got to get better at receiver. And like mm-hmm. you said, look competent. All right, so this is arguably the hardest one of all. What so are we talking about? Houston? Of course, we're talking about Houston. I should have started with Houston. I always do Houston last. But this isn't hard at all. This is the same goal as the Jaguars. Don't be embarrassing. Yeah, but the specifics of what that means are complicated. I, I mean, look. True success for them would be having Deshaun Watson no longer be on the roster and getting some kind of return for him and accelerating the rebuild. It feels gross for me mm-hmm. to say that, like, hey, a successful to, season. To you Deshaun got a bunch of, yeah, you got a bunch of first-round picks. Yeah. Defi- whatever, but it is the reality. Yeah, I get it. But the truth is, um, I would just say, like, they need to, the rebuild needs to, a successful season to me for Levy Smith, and I don't think this is how the Texans, I don't know who the heck knows what they think, uh, is the beginning of a successful rebuild, right? So, yeah, so the, you need a the core. Texans are, yeah, they are bad everywhere and also have a ton of free agents. Like it is an obscene look at this one. Cause like the roster itself, you look at the roster and you think, wow, that's pretty bad. And then you take a look at like the fact that everyone's leaving and you're like, oh, I don't know that they're losing anything by getting, like losing all these guys, but they've got like, 40 guys they need to bring into the yes. building you need i i like i bet they trade laramie tunsil has got only oh, like a couple years left on his deal 
Yeah. And you can save yeah, a ton like, of money. What, what are you going to do with him if you have him? Like, right. What, I mean, what's the look, point? you're not going to be a good football team. I think success, if I'm a Texans fan, what I want is at the end of the year to look at this roster and say there are two players on offense and two players on defense. <laughs> on, I'm freaking for real. Like, you know, I, I think Davis Mills is going to be the quarterback, right? So, mm-hmm. which I actually think is fine. You're not a good team. Like, don't he's, draft he's one of these guys. He's much better than I expected. He was absolutely be. better. He will also eval- He's good enough to let you evaluate like skill players, which is I think important. Right. Um, Pep Hamilton. I think the the fact that they promoted Pep Hamilton to offensive coordinator suggests that they you know they like Davis Mills. Obviously, mm-hmm. Pep Hamilton did a terrific job with him as he does with like every young quarterback. So, um, I just you know Nico Collins taking a st- another step forward. Um, mm-hmm. like I said, I, I wouldn't be surprised that if they trade Brandon Cooks too. Uh, Jonathan Greener yeah, maybe but- on defense, like him taking another step forward. <sighs> I know, but yeah. what you need is you <laughs> need to come out of this season with four building block players. I think that is what success for Lovey Smith and this team looks like, and competence. Yeah, absolutely. Um. You know, and, and you you might find somebody at the bottom of your roster that ends up it, this. I mean, this yeah. is the perfect opportunity to to give people chances to shine and prove that they're more than, you know, an undrafted free agent or whatever they were, you know, wherever they've been buried. Right. Like Kevin Pierre Lewis, for example, could prove he's that player. he's an NFL club. He has the athleticism. Right. Yeah. And so he could prove that that he's an every down linebacker that deserves to be paid. That'd be fantastic for them. Or, you know, Kiki Kingsley is on the roster. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, there's a lot of opportunity for him to make plays. Um, Derek Rivers, right? I mean, he's the Youngstown State guy, right? Um, I want to say, but uh, you know, as as an edge player, you know, he's got an opportunity to prove that he belongs. So yeah. um, th- there is at least that where all of these players that normally don't get a shot to prove that they deserve to be there, right? Um, get that shot, and also means that you probably got a, a, an advantage in undrafted free agency, right? Definitely, um, because you can tell those players, hey, you'll get to play right away. Mm. <laughs> Who's stopping you? Um, so, uh, you know, th- I think that that's how that they should approach it is that they should, um, treat this roster as the NFL's tryout team and get as many bargain and, uh, you know, diamond in the rough players as you can, because you do have a coaching staff that it feels like, and you know, you're right. We, we can't really know how good a head coach is, although we've seen Lovey Smith coach before, but it feels like you've got, um, a coaching staff that feels like could could develop some players. It's all about so, development. Yeah, if you come out of this, yes. Yeah, if you come out of this saying, "Hey, these are four core building block players, and here's five other guys that we're excited about mm. based off of what we've seen so far," um, you know, maybe only one of those guys turns out. But if you've got five players where you're like, "There's, there might be something here," yeah, I think you're you're headed in the right direction. The trajectory is. Good. I agree. Spend your money on young talent, uh, draft picks. I would actually, you know, they're picking third. It's funny, like a team like this normally I would say like you want to trade down and just like get, take a bunch of shots on goal. But I also, part of me is like, dude, if Kayvon Thibodeau is there, take him and then build your team around. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I think you just need a, you just need building blocks. And I think, you know, they, they have the ability to garner the assets to get those building blocks. And as you just said, I also think they've got coaches in place who can kind of develop and evaluate them. Um, so that is, what a successful season looks like for the Houston Texans. Oh, God, being a Texans fan. Anyways. <laughs> anyways. Rough. Anyways. All right. As always, we wrap with five questions 
for our guest, Arif Hassan of The Athletic. This is Dinks and Dunks. As you guys know, NFL teams can make mistakes when it comes to spending money. For example, cover years, Broncos fans. Russell Wilson has a $53 million cap hit this year. (laughs) But uh, unlike the uh, Walton family, I'm guessing people listening to this podcast don't have millions to spend. Maybe some of you do. I don't know. Get at me. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and they decided to do something better. They found their own way to make a beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. They have customizable delivery options for scheduled refills as low as $2, which is half of what you pay for big brands. Convenient subscription options that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best does not mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash M-I-N-A. That's harrys.com slash Mina for a $3 trial set. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small, and when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Mina Show today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Mina Show, M-I-N-A-S-H-O-W. And now it's time for Dinks and Dunks. I'm getting paid for this, right? Question one. Uh, We've been talking about the draft. I kind of maybe already know your answer based on some of our conversation, but who is your favorite quarterback in this draft? Uh, um, As a person, Matt Coral. He'll fight anybody. But as a quarterback, (laughs) probably Desmond Ritter, yeah. Matt Coral, the headband. It's always a dead giveaway. Has, Has any quarterback in NFL history ever worn a headband and not been sassy? Um, do you think Zach Wilson? Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. That's about it though. The, the headband though is really, uh, as far as like accessorizing goes. Yeah. It's a pretty good time. I like, um, I'm always, I've been spending a lot more time in the coming weeks talking about these prospects, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's tough. (laughs) It's tough out there. Yeah. (laughs) I I really want to like Malik Willis and I can't, I just, it's so tough. Oh man. He's got a crazy, crazy arm, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a project. Um, okay. Question two, what is your least favorite off season storyline? Oh, geez. Um, it's the the next Aaron Rodgers one. It's whatever it ends up being. That one's my least favorite. Yeah. Well, I already opted out of that. I've, I've consciously I, I uncoupled but from the Aaron Rodgers. I'm I'm okay talking about like as a player where he'll go, but I am like done talking about him as a bird. Ayurveda holistic medicine practices or NFTs or mm. uh, chemtrails or whatever whatever's next, man. I'm done. I don't think he's gonna go anywhere. That's why I'm so annoyed talking about it. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> I'm just so tired I mean, of I this constant speculation. Right, the Vikings. Um, 
If he goes to the Broncos, do you think they're a Super Bowl team? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Hmm. All right, question three. Something I ask of a lot of my guests. Content recommendation. I'll go first. I am loving the season of the Righteous Gemstones. Very excited for the finale. I love everything Danny McBride does. Maybe I've already recommended this. Sorry, my memory is bad. Um... <laughs> I actually re- recently rewatched a re- couple of random episodes of Eastbound and Down just for no reason, uh, including the one where he has a pitch off uh, at the dealership. But uh, yeah, so I, I I just love the right. It's one of the few shows that like really just like takes me out of our terrible, terrible world right now, even though they're terrible people, too. But it's just so weird and loopy and I love it. All right. Um, so I don't watch a ton of Netflix or HBO Max or Good for you. streaming television. So so my, my, I mean, I still consume unnecessary amounts of content, so I don't know if that's better. But uh, I love watching uh, YouTube video essays and just YouTube in general. Hmm. So I'm going to give three recommendations because it's just not as much as, as recommending a whole season of a show. Okay. So one is uh, Line Goes Up, which is a YouTube video by Dan Olson uh, over at uh, the YouTube channel Folding Ideas. Okay. It's uh, an incredible documentary slash investigative report on the current state of nfts which i know people don't like talking about and hate learning about but i promise you it's worth it it's incredible um and you know i'm not a huge i don't like nfts right so that's the perspective I'm so it's critical that. yeah yeah okay um and then and the and the second thing is the youtube channel alex melton alex um Okay. What he does is essentially pop punk covers of other songs. <laughs> um, that's it. It's, that sounds uh, great. He does other, yeah. It, he does like other kinds of covers. Like he does a country cover of a pop punk song and and all that. Um, but it's it's incredible. He's he's so good at it. And then sometimes he'll do, he'll do one in the style of a specific band, and his ability to mimic the voices in that band as well as the playing style and the drums and all that is fantastic. His most popular version of that is if Blink-182 um, did blank. So he's got <laughs> if Blink-182 wrote Wonderwall or if they wrote semi uh, Life. Oh my God, um, that sounds good. He's, he's so good at it. So I recommend that whole channel. And then my third recommendation is a game, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn Forbidden West. I'm playing it right now. I am having a wonderful time. And if you haven't played the original, I would recommend that too. Mm. Um, so much gamer so content those, those on the Mina Kime show always, even though I'm not a gamer. I feel like I... Oh, are I, other people recommending? Gamers? I know. I just associate with too many gamers. It's yeah, well, stop bringing Derek Lawson on the show. <laughs> um, <laughs> those are really great recommendations. Thank you. Blink One Eighty Two has my favorite song lyric of all time. To, oh, you got to tell it to me. Work sucks. I know. That's it. <laughs> has there ever been a truer lyric? It when speaks to the soul. You'll be at my show. All right. Uh, so you and I talked about before before we started the combines next week. Very excited. I'll definitely recap the combine the following week and talk some about some of these prospects we've been alluding to. Um, who is just a player that you are excited to see at the combine? Um, Faalele. Yeah. The Minnesota. You stole Rector. mine. What? <laughs> I tweeted my own. The, the worst thing in the world is when you uh, imply that someone saw your tweet. You're like, yeah, how dare you? As though people read everyone's tweets. I, I tweeted, my only goal of the combine is to get a picture next to, how do you say his name? I want to get it right. Oh, actually, uh, Falele. 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 
Um, I actually, I did see that tweet, but I didn't, wow. I didn't put two and two together when you, you want a picture next to him that. too. Yeah, we, is this I, I being weird though? Is it now am I being weird? I don't want to be like, you know, get your picture next to, like, I don't want to be. No, we, we should, we should take a group picture. With Visually. Just right. stunning. Six foot nine, 380. Am I right? Off the top of my head. Yeah. Well, 380 if he's meeting his goals, right? There's the uh, unfortunate opportunity for him well, to be above 400 or something like will, that. Where does that stack up, like in combine history? Uh, I think, so we've had two offensive linemen uh, over 400 pounds, if I remember correctly. Um, one of them uh, that, that tested well. I'm sure there's a couple that did not test well. Um, so Brandon Brooks, uh, I believe, oh. uh, was 380 to 400, which he obviously had a wonderful career after that. What? But he, how tall was he? He wasn't anywhere how close tall to was he? six foot uh, nine. He was not yeah. six nine. No, he wouldn't I be just, a guard. I mean, this man nine. is a, a rectangle. Yeah. And the, and the thing is, like, you look at him and and you say, yeah, that guy that guy is is pretty enormous, right? There's no question about that. <laughs> I don't know that you look at him and think that guy came in at 400 pounds. He does not. No, he doesn't. He, he literally looks like a rectangle. Like he doesn't look uh, fat at all. He Right. It's like Tyron Smith looks like a linebacker. Yes. And you realize he's like 310 pounds. He's, like, that's not he's right. He's super proportionate. Proportionate? Yeah. That, that's how I feel looking yeah, no, at him. Right. It looks like a semi truck turned on its side, like standing yeah. up. It's yeah. unbelievable. So, uh, that's that's the guy. Yeah, I, me but too. If, if not. Um, if I have to pick, I'll, I'll pick another Minnesota guy, Boy Mafe. Oh, he was awesome, dude, at the uh, Senior Bowl. I got really excited yeah, watching great. him. So I hadn't watched a lot of yeah. college tape, period. So the Senior Bowl kind of was like the beginning of my draft prep because when, once I found out I was going to the combine, I was like, I got to start watching these prospects. So I watched the <laughs> Yeah, I got to figure out Yeah, I was there. like, oh my God. Okay, like this morning. I feel like um, me watching Kyle Hamilton tape this morning is the equivalent of like when Dan Orlovsky tried seasoned food for the first time, just like the utter joy <laughs> and delight on his face at when I took him to Baby Jumbo. That was an incredible video. Thank you. Yeah. I, Literally though, <laughs> Arif, like the faces Dan made were the faces I made watching Kyle Hamilton, the the, uh, the Notre Dame safety for you guys. Well, I'm going to talk about him all excessively. Obscene range. Obscene. And he's Korean. I mean, I'm like, Honestly, two <laughs> weeks away from getting a Kyle Tam- Hamilton tattoo on my back. Um, anyways. Wait, so, so, so you were worried about it being weird to take a picture with Danny Falele and you're like, yeah, but I'm ready for the tattoo of Kyle I Hamilton. Have a Korean That's flag. not weird at all. Him, you know, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see them as well. And um, actually, I, you know, we talked about Malik Willis. I kind of want, want, want to see him run the 40. <laughs> He's so fast. So that yeah. I, I always I, and I, yeah. I, we're not we're not getting the same um, vibes right as as we were with Lamar Jackson refusing to run the forty. Oh, no, he gonna run it, I think. Yeah, and like Lamar was like, yeah, I, a I don't need this. B people want me to be wide receiver. Yeah, and I'm just gonna you. prove I'm not. That's not really in the conversation as far as I know right now from Malik Willis. So yeah, I'd love to. Football see has changed too since like in, insane as it is to say that was 2018 when Jackson was drafted. I went to his pro day at Louisville and I remember he refused to run it as pro day and refuses such a strong word. But I remember because he was walking around in Gucci slides and socks like I ain't doing shit. <laughs> and at the time, you know, it was obviously such a hot button issue. The Bill Polian comments, mm-hmm. whatever. Now I feel right. like the landscape has shifted where it's like, it's less of a stigma than it was even five years ago. Um, I also think right. for all the slander uh, we're, we're about to pour on these quarterbacks, they can all move dude. Like the top five 
uh yeah five i would say yeah Even yeah they've six, all got uh, they've all got like really good they can all move so yeah i'm excited to see him all right last question as always uh it comes from lenny uh so a lot of speaking of slander a <laughs> lot of discourse around kenny pickett is gonna be one of the first quarterbacks taken off the board pittsburgh also can move and his eight inch mm-hmm. eight and a quarter inch hands um, some people don't take Kansai seriously. Lenny thinks it's incredibly important and he has right. seen you and he thinks you come in at about six, six inches. Um, is that true or false? Okay. So the wording of that question <laughs> is very concerning, <laughs> but it's not if we're talking about hand size, we are, we are talking about hand size. Oh my God. Um, so. I just, I'm just clarifying. Lenny. You're talking about hand size only by a little bit. Am I more than that? Just a little. I've got tiny, tiny hands. It's okay, I do. And so does Lenny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, come on, Lenny. 